This is episode 93 with the 2019 USATF Indoor Mile winner, a man who's been called the most famous mullet in all of track and field, a 353 miler, Mr. Craig Engels. Well, hello, runners. This is Jason. I'm so excited you're here. I hope your running is going really well. You're moving forward with your training and setting your sights on some exciting races in the future. And as always, if there's anything I can do to help you out, you can always reach out to me and ask. I was surprised about a year ago when someone was incredulous that I actually responded. She said, oh my God, you're a real person. (laughs) I certainly am. So let me know how I can help. All right, guys, you're in for a wild conversation today with one of the biggest personalities in track and field, a man who gives tours of his 1983 RV while wearing a leopard print coat, Craig Engels. You might know Craig as the 2013 Pan American Junior Games 1500 meter champion or the fourth place finisher at the 2016 U.S. Olympic trials in the 800 meters. More recently, Craig won the USA track and field indoor mile and recently set a blazing 353 mile personal best. Craig is a really fun guy to talk with because he doesn't really take his running too seriously. He's a fierce competitor, but you'll also see how his running really took off in college when he was able to have fun with his team. He doesn't take himself too seriously, which I find just incredibly refreshing, which, you know, this is why he rocks a mullet and (laughs) and an absolutely perfect 1980s-style Burt Reynolds mustache. You should absolutely pause this episode right now and Google image search Craig Engels, because you're going to like what you see. Please also join me in thanking our sponsor, Inside Tracker, for helping athletes figure out what their hormonal deficiencies might be so that they can correct them. There's a lot of media attention right now on direct-to-consumer lab testing, and it's being proven to be quite helpful at identifying problems in your body that might negatively impact your health or your running performances. And this is especially true for women, for pregnant women, or those who are training at a really high level. So if you're curious what you might uncover, use code STRENGTHRUNNING to save 10% on any test at insidetracker.com. Okay, let's move on to Craig Engels. You're going to hear how he was kicked off of both the soccer and cross-country teams in high school, what kind of long runs he does as a miler, and why he was excited about a fourth-place finish at the Olympic trials. Please enjoy. Craig, thanks so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, of course. Sorry, I just took a bite of my burrito. Right before I know. I, 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 I caught you <laughs> off guard there. Now, we're, we're doing this on Skype, but we got our video going, and uh, I see that it doesn't look like you're in an RV. What's what's going on here, Craig? You're in a different car. Yeah, to the dismay of a lot of viewers, I do own another car. <laughs> oh uh, it's a bit easier to drive around the city in Portland traffic. So, um, but once I live in the RV full time, I'll sell this bad boy and have some money for some upgrades. Yeah. Well, I I recently watched a short video of you giving a tour of the dolphin which i think is the name of your rv and uh you were you were giving a tour of your 1983 toyota new horizons rv and you know you got the mullet you got the the great amazing (laughs) uh mustache going on and you're also wearing like a leopard print coat and flip-flops it's just an amazing look and vibe for the whole video. Craig, is this, do you just love to, to peacock and be outrageous or is this like psychological warfare for your competitors? You, you know, if you're going to do something, you got to go all out. So 
I figured if I owned a 1983 RV, I got to live in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple, but it makes so much sense. <laughs> I think maybe the RV came from the mullet, though. I was like, well, I guess if I have a mullet, I have to buy something from 1983. So it's some feedback loop I'm in where I have to live in the 1980. <laughs> Listen to Leonard, Leonard Skinner on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're, you're kind of sticking with the same theme here. So no, no one's being surprised by any of this. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> All right, Craig. Well, I, I want to get started. I want to talk a lot about, um, you know, your your running career, the rise of your running career, which I think is really exciting, and some of the pressures and opportunities that have opened up for you because of that, and maybe some training advice that you have for our middle distance listeners. Um, so maybe we can start way at the beginning. Was was running a sport that you always loved, or or did you discover running by accident? Dude, I hate running. <laughs> this is the most boring, painful sport. But I also think that's why I love it. It's because, uh, I mean, it's just you. You don't have to depend on a team or anything. And my whole life, I grew up playing on these terrible soccer teams. We were always like one and nine. And it was I, I couldn't do anything about it. I was, and was doing all these sports like golf where I was too ADD for it and found running <laughs> – inadvertently like my I actually got kicked off the soccer team and my coach was like yeah just come out so I tried high jump for a bit and then all of a sudden he's like yeah just try running and I did it and it worked out but I got kicked off that team at some point and <laughs> it was a it was a crazy road to get to where I am today but I mean I'm super thankful for my high school coach and he's basically the one behind it all yeah, that's incredible. Um, how did you end up getting kicked off the cross country team and then still manage to to run throughout high school? Because usually, you know, usually when you're kicked off a sports team in, in high school and one of my buddies was actually kicked off the team when he was the captain of the team, you don't usually go back to the sport. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm not. 100%. It was so long ago, but and, and I always tell this, this story. The reason I got kicked off the soccer team was pulling someone's pants down. But I got kicked off I got kicked off the track team for – he told us to go on a run, and I went and hit on the activity bus. I went and laid down in the back, and some snitch on the team told the coach that I was in the bus laying down. So he comes on. He's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. I thought we were leaving for a meet. Recovering? <laughs> yeah so uh he's like go home you're off the team i went home and i was like so bored that i guess either i texted him or he or sorry i called him or he called me and is like hey i think it'd be smart if you were on the team or i was like can i please be back on the team i don't really remember how it went down but <laughs> i don't know and i was also i was having a lot of behavioral issues with whatever i was 17 years old and i just found out about drinking and stuff so <laughs> yeah I, I think we had very similar high school experiences um i remember my high school cross-country coach uh junior year coming up to me and, and a bunch of the upperclassmen and kind of yelling at us and, and singling me out and saying like you're the ringleader you're probably going to be the captain of the team next year and you're out running around around halloween taking like Halloween decorations off people's front lawns <laughs> and bringing them into the locker room and decorating the locker room. Like, like it's a, it's, it's a haunted house. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, I look back on it. I'm like, that was just so dumb. 
just so no, no, dumb, no. but something we'd still do probably if we were hanging out together <laughs> i know you're on a run and hey run is a little boring and you start joking around about stealing <laughs> witches that are on trees and next thing you know you have a witch <laughs> now I, I thought that i read that you actually played soccer and did cross country at the same time yeah, so there was like the tiniest overlap. It may have been like a season or two of just track. I don't think I ever did cross country. I quit soccer and started cross country because they were the same season. But yeah, I think there was a season where I was doing high jump and that was when I was playing soccer. But yeah. Oh, okay. Now, were you were you super active as a kid before you really got involved with like, um, you know, organized sports? Because it sounds like you're someone that like your parents <laughs> had to put into a sport just to control yeah, I I was the kind of kid that would go. I, it would, I would wake up, go to school, come back, get off the bus. Wouldn't see my parents till dinner because I'd be playing outside with my friends. And then right after that, I'd be on video games, stimulating my brain. You know, <laughs> just anything to stimulate my brain. Uh, and I think my mom loves telling the story about how, like, I think maybe I was like seven, and I was so wild that she just made me run a loop around the this complex you're staying in as fast as possible and it calmed me down and she's like i think we found the gear <laughs> that's crazy and you know like i i have three kids right now and i have uh my oldest is almost six and i'm like starting to get kind of nervous because she's that way like we we <laughs> literally have to run her into the ground every day so that she just like ha behaves normally because if we don't and she's just she's an animal she's a feral creature it's like a dog yeah it's like a yeah dog. like a dog you, you gotta you gotta bring your dog out for a walk you gotta bring him to the dog park kids are very similar to dogs in that way <laughs> <laughs> well at least she's a fun kid she's not boring <laughs> no oh my god she's incredible i mean i remember she was she was uh two and a half years old and we just finished dinner and she said daddy i want to go running i'm like are you kidding me so laced up the shoes and we we ran down the sidewalk we ran into a park near our house that girl ran now granted she took a couple walking breaks but she's two and a half <laughs> years old she ran about a mile i was oh like i wasn't ready for this this is my double session for the day i just <laughs> ate dinner <laughs> She dropped you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't keep up. I was just going anaerobic with this two and a half year old. It was crazy. Um, so you finally got involved in cross country and track and you actually, you stayed on the teams at this point in high school. Um, when were you starting to think to yourself, I want to keep running, even though this is a very boring sport. <laughs> when were you like, I want to keep running in college. All right. So don't get me wrong. So the sport itself is, it could use some flair and everything, and it is boring because you just have to go out there and punish your body for it. But the thing I love most in life is competing. So it's a paradox. So I love, absolutely love running through competing, but it is pretty boring. So <laughs> I don't want everyone to think that I hate running and all this. So I, I know I'm pretty pessimistic about it, but I absolutely love competing, and there's nothing more in life that I love than beating people. <laughs> I like that. I'm sorry. Back That's, to the question. That, uh, yeah, back back to the school choice. <laughs> oh, the college. Yeah. Um, I remember as a freshman, I wanted to quit running in college, um, just because I was injured and I wasn't doing well, and I saw my friends having fun and joining fraternities and doing whatever they wanted and meeting girls and stuff. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like stuck in what I thought was prison. But um, I think I think as soon. As soon as I got the, – the time I got serious was when I went to Ole Miss. Before then, I didn't take running seriously at all in college. And 
I wasn't good and people would have mistaken me for a hobby jogger. So, but then I, when I went to Ole Miss, I had to prove people wrong that I, cause they said I wasn't going to do well and they said I shouldn't have transferred and, and I had to prove them wrong cause I'm competitive as shit. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being competitive. Um, yeah. yeah. When did you transfer to Ole Miss? Cause you went to North Carolina state first. Correct. Yeah. Good. You've done, you've done your research. Um, I went there for two and a half years and then went to Ole Miss for two and a half years. So I think I transferred um, after a, a December semester, you know. Now, that's, now, I'm not a math major, but that's five years of college. Is that because you redshirted a couple seasons? Yeah, I, um, I actually had a sixth year. I was injured for two years at, at NC State. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but, but, so I only competed for four years in college, but I had a fit. I don't know how it works, but I went to, I went to college for five years, did a semester of grad school in those five years and, um, I only competed for four of those five years. Yeah. And I did read that, you know, your, your running and kind of your trajectory really took off once you transferred to Ole Miss. And, uh, I also read too, that you said something like you didn't think running was cool before you transferred to Mississippi. Uh, you know, what was the reason for that? Was it the short shorts, the shaved legs and the splits weren't, weren't that cool at that time? (laughs) (laughs) Um, geez, I don't know when I said that quote, but I I don't want to offend anyone, but everyone at Ole Miss was pretty cool. Like everyone had a unique individual personality. There was no like fight for leadership. Everyone just like respected each other. And like, we all did cool things. We, We all like drank and still ran well and partied. And I don't know. It was like, it's like what you see on TV. It's all these like athletes that party getting together and doing super good things. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I started running in high school and I ran in college and, and post collegiately at a, a much lower level. But um, I never had the experience that running wasn't very cool because every team that I was on had some really cool guys on it. Like we had normal well-adjusted social guys on cross-country track both in high school and in college and I do think that that's a little bit rare and and I'm probably going to catch some flack for this but you know like cross-country for example I think there's a great example this is the sport that kids who don't make the soccer team (laughs) or any of the fall sports kind of fall back on and so you you might have a great varsity team but the back bench is always very questionable because it it does have that unfortunate tradition of being kind of the you know the 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 sport that mops up all of the other uh kids that didn't make it in the team sports and i I mean i don't think that's very fair but it's also a little bit of the reality of it and and i think that you know what you got at old miss might have been just like a great team with guys who were you know well adjusted and just love to run but then you know off the track and off the trail and whatever they actually were normal normal guys yeah, yeah, you I mean you totally hit it. Like <laughs> it is predominantly people that that is their secondary sport, but um <laughs> I think yeah, I think you got lucky by having a lot of cool guys on your teams and stuff. Yeah, and and I think it's yeah, I look back on it in hindsight it was just kind of wild. And I look back, you know, even when I was a freshman, the upperclassmen were 
just really cool. They're really cool guys. And, and that's yeah. true both in high school and in college. And I think that kind of environment really sets you up to get the most out of yourself as an athlete. Cause you go to practice and you have fun every day, right? You know, you're, you're running yeah. around with your friends and, you know, telling jokes and maybe stealing some Halloween decorations <laughs> off people's front lawns. Uh, yeah, of course you're suffering on the track, but you know, you remember all the easy runs that are really fun. Um, so Craig, I want to talk about your fourth at the Olympic trials, uh, in the, the 800 meters, uh, you know, normally fourth place is probably the worst position. You'd probably rather be ninth or 10th. Uh, and most athletes would be disappointed, devastated, and you were actually really excited about fourth place. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, in retrospect, I'm obviously not that pumped, but at the time I was stoked, you know, I, uh, was this college kid who I think, I was one of the last people in in the 800. Mm -mm, that may not be true, but I think I was the last person in the 15, but I wasn't supposed to be anyone in the 800. And I just kept making it from round to round. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, I'm in the final. <laughs> so then I was like, whatever, I don't really care how I do now. And all of a sudden I found myself in fourth at the finish line. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> you know i was so pumped and, and like i was pumped for a few weeks and then finally i sat down I'm like oh damn i could have made the olympics <laughs> <laughs> you almost like forgot that you just yeah. missed it <laughs> yeah but it was just cool because um everyone was so supportive like of a college kid doing that well and like i would see these guys like robbie andrews and like charles jock and stuff everyone was like nice and i was like whoa this is cool <laughs> It also kind of demonstrates a really good mindset that you have about running, because I think at the time, you know, even though fourth is a disappointing finish to have in a final where, you know, the only thing that really matters is finishing in the top three uh, at the same time that was such a big jump up for you in, in your performances. I mean, to finish fourth at the trials, you were in college at the time, you know, you kind of said how you were advancing through the heats and every time, you know, you're kind of surprised and, oh my God, is this really happening? And, and I think that's just so healthy because you're not comparing yourself against that absolute standard. You're comparing yourself against yourself and where you were previously. And so even though fourth might be disappointing for a lot of other runners, that was such a big jump for you. And, and I think that you recognize that. And, you know, even though, of course, you're probably disappointed about it, you know, that's a really healthy outlook on the kind of progress that you've made up until that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate you noticing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, I, I do like to take a positive outlook in this sport. And I think so, it's I mean, necessary. It's hard, some, yeah, sometimes it's hard to not get caught up in the frustrations. But in the end, like, who the hell cares? Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, everyone, everyone's going to forget about you one day. And like, there's no reason to take your life so serious that you think running's the end, end all be all be all end all. I don't know how to say <laughs> that's, that's a, that's almost a controversial or surprising thing for, you know, a, an, an elite professional runner to be saying that, that running isn't everything. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's just running, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's, it is cool to like, have it be your life for five years but there's some people that, that that it's their entire life and like they don't talk about anything else and it's, it's but i don't know there's there's the, I, I don't know there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of thoughts i have on this sport well i think it's it's something that you have to take seriously especially you know you have sponsors you have people who are relying on you and, and looking up to you but at the same time 
it can't be everything that you're about and you have to be a, a three-dimensional person and have other yeah. interests and do other things. Now, uh, you kept building on that momentum from that fourth place finish at the trials. And, uh, you know, less than two months ago, you won the USATF mile. So uh, a big congratulations for that. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about how you train for the mile, because I think for adult runners, maybe runners who start running, uh, you know, later in life, the mile is, and even the 800, the mile, the two mile or 3k, these are events that most adults never race because, you know, track meets are much more rare compared with road races. You know, you can go online and find, find a local 5k or 10k or half marathon anywhere. Um, but the track meets just don't happen. So the training for an event like this is just alien. You know, you can, you really can't find an 800 meter training plan that you can just download online, but you know, there's millions of 5k plans. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your training and how you approach these middle distance events. I think it'll be, uh, interesting and, and hopefully illuminating for, for the listeners. Um, let's just start real basic, you know, like how many, how many workouts do you do a week, a week? I do two workouts a week, Monday, or sorry, Tuesday, Friday. I know some milers that do three, they do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, but, but I, myself, I do two a week and then do a long run on Sunday. And sometimes that long run's pretty hard, but the rest of the week we're just doing, um, maintenance mileage, I guess you could say, and stuff to build our aerobic capacity, but Right. So just base runs, easy runs, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. so you mentioned your, your long run, it's usually on Sunday and sometimes it's hard. Uh, walk us through like what kind of distances you might cover in a typical long run. And what does a hard long run look like? Are you just running it fast or are you doing kind of like a workout embedded in there somewhere? So everyone does it differently, but, um, so I do like around 70 miles a week. And I think someone told me you're supposed to do 20% of <clears throat> your mileage in your long run. I mean, that doesn't have to be exact, but usually I do anywhere from 12 to 15. And sometimes when I, sometimes I'll go, I never do a workout in there. I always just like try and average like 530 or f below if we're doing a hard long run. Um, and I've had runs where I, I did a 13 mile long run and average 515, which was like crazy because it's pretty hard for me to do like a, some of our workouts are like a five mile tempo at five minute pace on the track. This, this one long run day, I just like, I don't know, found inspiration somewhere. But yeah, it's usually just anywhere from 12 to 15 miles and I just do 70 miles a week. So I don't know the math on that, but it's probably right around 20%. Yeah. So I think 14 would be 20%. So yeah, you're right, yeah. right, right along there. Um, now, do you do a lot of double sessions or do you do about 70 miles a week in singles? Depends on the time of the season. Uh, I was, I was having... Uh, questions about this as well so I asked my coach who's really scientific and he said that early season it's better to do singles um and because you something with your body it's better for your like aerobic system but once you start doing harder workouts and you start throwing races in there and you're tired you should start doubling because it helps you recover better um so right now I'm just doing mostly singles and in a couple weeks when we start doing hard workouts I'll start doing doubles yeah, that reminds me of reading Running with the Buffaloes when I was in college. And uh, University of Colorado at Boulder 
cross-country coach Mark Wetmore had his athletes do singles because you get more of an aerobic stimulus from, you know, doing 10 miles as one 10-mile run as opposed to, say, two five-mile runs. Um, but yeah, splitting it up is going to make it a little bit easier, which is perfect when you're racing, you're doing much harder workouts. So that totally makes sense to me. Um, now, how often do you race in a typical season? Mm, indoors is probably four or five times. Uh, it's a shorter season. It's usually from January to the end of February, so two months. But outdoor, oh man, this year is going to be wild. I think we're racing like eight times, but this season's also from May till October. Wow, that's a long season. Yeah, but, and if it were up to me, I think I would probably race 15 to 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> so you just want to be I out love, there. <clears throat> I love racing and everything. Um, and like that's how you make your money. So, I mean, if there, if if in the end I'm done with um, making teams and stuff, I know I'm not, I'm just going to do all these road miles and road 5Ks and track miles, you know. Yeah, so May through October, you're talking about, you know, roughly five months, 20 or more weeks. You know, you're you're looking at almost half of a year just being one outdoor track season. Do, do you break that up in any way to make it manageable? Because, you know, you can't be racing hard and well in May and then just keep racing at peak performance up through October. Like, that's just impossible. Yeah, it's definitely impossible. And I think a lot of people are going to get caught up in that. Um, there's going to be people running super fast times in May that, like, maybe their goal wasn't making worlds or meddling at worlds. So then some other people are going to see that and get caught up and be like, oh, I'm not fit yet. Like, I need to get... I don't know, but I'm, we're just doing our own thing. Me, Donovan Brazier and Clayton Murphy, we're like, we're on our own plans and we're going to be decently fit by May, pretty fit by June, maybe peak for USA's and then take like a week off. I love my off time, by the way. I just had two weeks completely off. <laughs> How good did that and feel, Craig? That was fun. Uh, we could probably talk about that in a bit. I took an RV trip from, uh, phoenix all the way back up to portland for the last two weeks with my buddies yeah so we'll probably take a week off and after usa's in july and then get back to work and get super fit again by october so we can medal at worlds so you're kind of almost splitting this up into two seasons you know with that with that little break in the middle like it's it's kind of a a rolling into the second season i think but uh you know, having that rest period is probably going to be clutch because you're going to be tired. I mean, you're going to be racing a lot. You're going to be doing a lot of high intensity workouts to get to get fit in May and June. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's correct. So, what's the what's the the whole race schedule like? Do you know exactly where you're racing this summer? Yeah, I think I do. Um, <clears throat> we're going to do meet in LA, geez, one in Portland, trying to get into one in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, then there's races. I have it on my phone. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I exit out of the screen, if it would uh, take it away. But yeah, then just basically a couple Portland meets and LA meet USA's and trying to get into some diamond links. Awesome. Now let's go back a little bit to the, the training side of things. I know we did rapid fire, you know, asking you about your training. Uh, I want to talk, spend a little bit of time on the workouts, you know, cause that's, that is like the most complex part of running. And when it comes to these middle distance events that a lot of runners don't have much experience with, they, they have no idea how to structure a workout for the mile. Like, can you give us a, a couple examples 
of you know what you might do uh, maybe early in the season to get ready for you know if you're focusing on the 1500 or the mile and then maybe what you might do as like a, a peak fitness type of workout yeah so we try and train a bit more like a 3k 5k person because 1500 is a pretty aerobic um, but once a week we'll we'll do a tempo so something uh, I don't know I don't know how the the pace is determined but for us it's like four to five mile four or five or six miles at five minute pace sometimes we'll go down to 450 but uh, much faster than that is defeats the purpose of a tempo or something I, I don't know the science behind it I just listen to my coach um, and then the next the other workout of the week will be something more like a mile breakdown or a 600 breakdown which means we'll go either we'll go like mile 12 eight four times three or the 600 breakdowns will be like six four three two times five and those will be a bit quicker like a bit faster than mile pace and everything so you either want to be we we usually practice under mile pace or slower than mile pace or like 5k 10k pace i don't don't know i don't know all the science behind it but i just know that what we do (laughs) (laughs) yeah my my listeners will know that i call those paces support paces the paces that are you know a little bit slower and a little bit faster than what you're actually trying to run they they support your ultimate goal of running you know whatever your your goal pace might be which i think at this point your what is your pr in the mile right now is it three i'm just gonna guess because I don't, I don't actually know. Let's see. Is it 357? 353. 353. That is an enormous <laughs> amount of time I did not give you credit for, Craig. <laughs> Sorry. <Hey. laughs> Made it sound better for me. <laughs> 353. That's that's getting kind of quick. Now, I assume this is outdoors, right? This isn't indoors. That's indoors. That was a couple weeks ago, yeah. Or three or four weeks ago, indoors. Wow. So that's also encouraging for you, right? Knowing that, you know, an outdoor track will be a little bit faster than, you know, a, a 353 inside might be worth a 352 outside. Yeah. Um, this is the math that, that we distance runners kind of do in our that head. Race, <laughs> that race where I ran 353 is probably the worst race of my life. If I'd had a good race that day, I would have run 349 and broken the American record. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I know you just, you just had Henry win on here. He was in that race. Um, Johnny Gregoric was in that race and Sam Prakel. Um, but I was the guy right on the rabbit and I know it sounds like kind of mentally weak, but when you're, when you're the first person on a rabbit, you just know everyone's sitting on you and you know, they're keying off you. So when that rabbit dropped off, I had 200 meters, he went 1200 meters and I went, I was leading for 200 more meters, actually 250 more meters. So right then I was at, I was at 1450 meters. I had 150 meters to go. And the guys all passed me and I just gave up, which sucks because I was still with them at the 1500 and I, uh, we all were right 335 at the 1500, but then those guys ran 349 and I ran 353. So it was all in the last hundred meters. I just gave up and I just know that if I had been sitting on them, it would have been a whole different story. And like, that's how I race well. And that's how, I don't know. It, it, it just like pisses me off so much to think about that race because I, this helped all these guys run so fast. And I mean, I know they were fit and everything, but it helped that I rabbited them through 1450. <laughs> yeah. This is almost like, you know, your a good performance is almost a little disappointing 
as opposed to your fourth in the trials, which which some might say was a bad performance, but you actually were excited about it. So this is kind of an yeah. interesting flip of what, what happened there. So your last 109 meters or so was 18 seconds, which yep. at that level, uh, you know, just for our listeners not to be too blunt, is kind of slow. It, you just totally gave up, huh? You give up also. When people pass you, you go lactic. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's something to do with the brain. Like, I, I know I gave up, but I also like couldn't move my legs any faster. <laughs> I get a lot of runners who ask me, you know, when you're in the middle of a race and, uh, you know, it starts getting real painful, it starts getting uncomfortable, which happens in any race. It doesn't really matter exactly. what the distance is you know, what's your mental thought process at that moment? Do you have certain things that you tell yourself or little uh, mantras or, you know, what's going on in your brain? You know, maybe when you're 1200 meters in and, you know, you're just starting to tie up and you just, you know, you, you feel in, in so much discomfort, like what's going through your head at that moment? Yeah, that's actually when the race starts. The rest of it doesn't even matter because everyone's together. Um, that's like that's exactly the, that moment is the exact right time the race starts because everyone else around you is feeling that as well. Um, but in my head, I just know that I'm gonna beat them, <laughs> so I have confidence. And I think that's where a lot of people should—they're thinking about times. Um, and meanwhile, what you should be doing is thinking about competing because you're just as—I mean—they're humans. Everyone around you is humans, like. You're just competing against other. It's not like you're competing against something inhuman unless someone's doping. So I always just think like, all right, here we go. Me versus them. <laughs> I like that. It's so it's again, so simple. Yeah, it's so simple. Yeah, the um, the mental side of racing, I think, is one of the most challenging aspects of running and training and because running is such a sport where it, it's so unique among other sports. You know, you look at a sport like football, every football player goes into a game knowing that they might get hurt, but they do everything they can to avoid it. You know what I mean? Whereas a mm-hmm. runner, you're not going to get hurt in a race, but you are going to hurt in a race and there's no avoiding it. And it's almost this perverse incentive structure where the more you want to hurt, the better you're going to race. And it takes a certain mindset to be able to embrace that discomfort and pain and just to charge ahead and just to say, well, eh, whatever. I mean, I remember when I used to be racing a lot, my mindset was it was just this cold, clinical, emotionless acknowledgement of that discomfort. And then me saying to myself, well, I'm just going to ignore that and run as, run even harder and just try to experience more discomfort. And it was kind of masochistic looking back on it. <laughs> yeah. Now, but at the same time, it's I, I think it was productive and, and helpful. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely a weird thing about this sport. But you're right. You got to be you. I think you have to be kind of insane. <laughs> <laughs> you got to want to push your body through this pain that you don't have to. Yeah. And that's what you like about running, isn't it? You like to race. Yeah. When's your next race? Uh, next race is May 13th. Oh, no, May 16th in, in LA. Occidental meet or something like that. Okay. Ox- yeah. That's a, that's a Thursday. May 16th. That's a Thursday. Okay. How did you do that? <laughs> I, I'm, I have an event on 
the, the May 16th. So I was like, oh, we're doing something on the 16th. <laughs> I thought we just found a hidden talent of yours. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know what months of the year have 31 days. I don't remember that. I don't know that rhyme. And frankly, like my wife makes fun of me every day almost that like I don't know the rhyme that is apparently so easy. Everyone knows it. It just tells you which months have 31 days. I don't know. It's never going to stick. I was thinking about that today. That's so funny. I have no idea how many days are in April. <laughs> 31, right? I thought it was 30. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. This is, this is sad. You know what? No, there's, there's 30, and, and we're going to keep this in the podcast, too. We're just going to keep it in there. <laughs> is it 30? It is 30. I was nice. wrong. All right, Craig. Well, this has been really fun for me. Uh, you're you're an exciting guy to follow and to to cheer on when you're racing. Uh, I think you have a big personality, and I think the sport of running needs that. So uh, I'm going to be following more of your your training and your your racing. Uh, where can where can I do that? Because I know that you're on. I think you're on Twitter. I think you're on Instagram. I don't know if you're super uh, active on those platforms. You know, I, yeah, I don't get on Twitter, so there's no point in following me. But I do. I post on Instagram, but I never post like results of races. I don't know if I should start doing that, or if people think that's annoying or what. But if anyone's listening, just send me a message and let me know if you want to po- me to post results of races and stuff. So I, I would, I would appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just like you know, it's it's just a cool way of of connecting with you know the 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 athletes in the sport that you really like. You know, it's like you know, following Steph Curry and having him like, you know, put up scores of the game and things like that. And of course, basketball is much more uh, popular than running. But yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I should definitely start doing that. All right. Well, I'll include a link under this podcast episode to your Instagram profile. So if anyone listening wants to check in with uh, Craig, we will have that link there for you. And also, uh, now this is a little bit more of some accountability for you to start posting your race results because <laughs> now all these people are going to be expecting it. <laughs> um, yeah. so Craig, thanks so much for making some time. This was fun and best of luck next month at your uh, first race of the season. Yeah. Thanks so much. Hopefully I can come back on for another episode and yeah, maybe we can come Good back luck. on later in the outdoor track season and talk about, you know, some of the things that you said, you know, some of the races that you talked about today and how they went. Yeah. And if any of the listeners have any questions, like about the things I was saying about training, I know I was kind of talking like runner lingo, but if you have any questions about training, message me on Instagram, I'll send you a message back. That is the amazing thing about the sport of running. This is like, <laughs> can you imagine talking to a pro football player and then be like, oh yeah, message me on Instagram. I'll tell you about my workout. <laughs> running, is, running is cool, Craig. <laughs> it is cool. It is cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. Take care. All right. See ya. Hey, hey, Jason here. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Craig. I hope it was entertaining and you found one or two nuggets of inspiration or wisdom to better guide your running. Finally, before you pause me, let's talk about Inside Tracker. Here's how it works. You buy a package on their website and they email you a form that lets you go to a lab like LabCorp or Quest Diagnostics and give a few vials of blood. Those vials are then tested for over 40 different biomarkers, things like vitamins and minerals and hormones like testosterone, cortisol, human growth hormone, and a host of others. And that's the interesting part, finding out what you're deficient in so you can correct things before your next big race. So if cortisol is high, you know to dial back your training a little bit and double down on sleep. 
If testosterone is low, they'll give you strategies for increasing it so you can both run faster and recover more quickly. And I think that's why it's been so popular among elite runners because they can use it to detect overtraining or other deficiencies that they can then correct. Like they say, it's like taking a selfie from the inside. If you go back to episode 34 of the podcast with Magda Boulay, you can see how she used the testing service before and after the Western States Endurance Run to optimize her performance and post-race recovery. So if you are training for a difficult race, if you want to ramp up your recovery, or you're just searching for another way to improve, you can get 10% off any test at insidetracker.com with the code STRENGTHRUNNING at checkout. It's not case sensitive and it can be used for any tier from the affordable do-it-yourself kit to the ultimate package. Just use code STRENGTHRUNNING to claim your 10% savings at InsideTracker.com. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll be in touch soon.